Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is the morning after day one of the NFL draft. I'm DJ Boyer, DraftSite.com. Let's do a quick recap. What did we see last night? What will we expect to see tonight when rounds two and three will come from us, come to us live from Dallas, Big D? First off, say a very, very eventful uh, night gets off to a rousing start where I love the fact that the NFL and Roger Goodell have been very mindful of the fact that he is booed incessantly uh, no matter when he appears at the draft no matter what he does, no matter what he says. The NFL tries to kind of squash that by bringing out three Cowboys legends, uh, Troy Aikman, Jason Witten, and Roger Staubach on stage, and he is still booed. Even makes the comment, (laughs) excuse me, I can't believe that you guys are booing the Cowboys like that. It's just to the point that it doesn't matter. He could have Jesus come out here, we could be seeing the rapture and, like, uh, you know, Armageddon's about to appear, and I think he would still be booed. So let's just get to the point where the NFL acknowledges no matter what they do, no matter who they run out there with Roger Goodell, he's going to get booed. It's just the way it's going to be. We don't have to try a little gimmick like that to try and silence the crowd. doesn't matter what city you're in and doesn't matter who's with you. You are going to be booed, Roger. Just remember that. Well, we'll go over the first round. And first of all, months ago when this whole process started, even a week ago, let's think about the ascension of Baker Mayfield, who is the new number one first overall pick of this draft to the Cleveland Browns. 28 different starting quarterbacks since 1999. We all know of the ineptitude. I think when the season was ending, and kind of the draft process getting off the ground, Mayfield was, Mayfield was kind of viewed as a third or fourth round pick. A lot of that due to size. You know, he had coming off, he was coming off winning the Heisman. But then, you know, whispers of, you know, I think Baker Mayfield has a quick enough release, makes good enough decisions, and is accurate enough to actually be a first round player. So we heard that after the combine. It was kind of, the assumption was he's going to be the, the, the kind of the tail end of round one. That then kind of grew into, wow, he's, he's right in the mix. Uh, maybe after these top two quarterbacks, which everyone saw as Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, and once they had officially thrown their names into the hat, I think it was agreed upon that these were going to be the top two quarterbacks. What order were they going to be taken? And you had the also-rans behind them. You had Josh Allen, very talented. Someone was going to take a flyer on him being number one. Uh, Lamar Jackson with all the athletic talent in the world, and then Baker Mayfield. So we were looked at as having five first-round potential quarterbacks, maybe Mason Rudolph sneaking in there for a six. I'm a big believer in Mason Rudolph, and sure enough, five those five quarterbacks all went in the first round last night. Then we started hearing, you know, Baker Mayfield's in, you know, he's top ten, maybe even top five, uh, to the point where just a few days ago it became more and more apparent that we heard reports that Baker Mayfield was seriously being considered with the top pick in the draft. I, including others, really thought this was a smokescreen. Either 
Cleveland was trying to get a deal or it was going to play into the hands of some of the teams behind and maybe some deals were going to be done. I don't think anybody saw this coming. The rise and the ascension of Baker Mayfield is unprecedented. Uh, when you look at where he was start to finish, again, just maybe the last three or four months, two last night, the culmination where the Browns have uh, put their hopes in Baker. Now, the good thing is, with these five quarterbacks we saw taken, all of them have other short-term possibilities of quarterback. I think not only it's historic seeing five quarterbacks taken, normally we do not see this many taken in the first round, but the fact that all five, I don't think any of them really have to be rushed into service barring any injuries. You could see all five starting the year on the bench. Baker Mayfield, top overall pick. Usually that means you're pressed into service right away. You've got Tyrod Taylor there. Led Buffalo for most of the season, got them to the playoffs. He's proven to be a capable quarterback. Look at number three overall, Sam Darnold and the Jets. You've got a very, very capable um, veteran in Josh McCown. Darnold is not a guy that has to play right away. You've even got Teddy Bridgewater that you brought in from Minnesota. There's been some questions about his health. I don't think he's going to be around. Uh, He barely passed the physical. I think Teddy Bridgewater gets jettisoned here. But clearly, Darnold does not have to play right away. Uh, You look at a player like Josh Allen with the Bills. They sign A.J. McCarron, who's been the backup in Cincinnati ever since he was drafted out of Alabama. Is he a guy that's a a long-term answer quarterback? Probably not. Is he more ready than Josh Allen? You better believe it because of of these five. Now, maybe you can say four. Lamar Jackson's going to need a lot of help as well. I think it was viewed as that no matter where Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson went, they were going to need time on the bench. The other three was just going to depend on the situation. Josh Rosen at 10. Even though of the five, he was the fourth of the five selected, but I think many agree he is the most pro-ready quarterback of the bunch. Goes to Arizona, who brings in Sam Sam Bradford. And if something happens to Sam Bradford, save with his knee, which has happened what seems to be about 30 times in his career, they've also brought in Mike Lennon, who was kind of the short-term Solution in Tampa Bay before Jameis Winston. The short-term solution before Mitchell Trubisky. Wow, I don't think it was that hard to say. He's becoming the new Kurt Warner. It seems like Kurt Warner was those bridge between quarterbacks there as well um, after his successful run with the Rams. Uh, Josh Rosen, very, very salty about being the 10th overall selection. I think he was the best quarterback available in this draft. But, you know, there's a few questions there. He does not have to play right away. But I think of any of the quarterbacks who, if, if we're going to see him play, Rosen's going to be first out of the gate. And then the Baltimore Ravens make that deal at the very end to move up and take Lamar Jackson at number 32. And it worked out for both teams involved. Uh, the Ravens trade back multiple times. I was a little critical of them taking Hayden Hurst at number 25. I think there were some better players available. But the fact that they were able to parlay those extra picks they got into getting back into the first round, still getting Lamar Jackson. The Eagles, who sat at 32, didn't have another pick until the fourth round, were openly basically entertaining offers from anyone in the league wanting to come back in. The fact that they swapped fourth-round picks with the Ravens, so they move up their fourth-round pick a little bit, 
They just dropped back about 20 spots. They pick in the second round now, and they pick up a second rounder next year. So I think this is a win-win for both. Again, not a big fan of Hurst and what the Ravens did out of the gate, but the fact that they were able to trade back twice, get Hurst, and still get back into round one and get a player like Lamar Jackson and have him for the future. Uh, you have Marnie Morningwig there as a offensive coordinator. We saw what he did in Philadelphia when Michael Vick came back in the league and had that dynamic year. You've got RG3, who was signed as a backup to Joe Flacco with a very similar skill set coming out of college. I think this is a good fit. I don't think Lamar Jackson sees the field uh, in his first year, but this is a good situation. Solid veteran, nearing the end of his uh, – he's getting up there. I think Flacco is, what, about 33, maybe 34? So maybe a few years uh, left on the tires there, but not the elite quarterback he once was. So this is a good situation as well. I don't think any of these quarterbacks have to play on opening day. We may not see them play a significant amount in in year one or start any games. So in that respect, I think it's a win for all the organizations. Let's go down here, team for team, pick for pick, real quickly. Well, first off, we're going to go Cleveland. Obviously, they picked first and fourth. Baker Mayfield, not a fan of the pick there at one. I thought there's better players available. But they stuck to their guns. They did need a quarterback to position a need. A lot of faith there, so you got to kind of like that. Giants at number two, Saquon Barkley, running back out of Penn State. Seemed to be uh, the pick that a lot of people wanted. Probably the most talented player in this draft. It's always taking a running back at number two. Um, Barkley is the guy who tries to make the spectacular plays, and sometimes just getting three or four yards is the way to go. Not getting caught at the line of scrimmage, losing a yard or two, minus one, minus one, two, minus one, 80 yards. Uh, we can't do that all the time in the NFL. Um, but there's a guy that can block, he can catch. If he's going to be able to tote the ball 25 times a game at the NFL level, there are some questions surrounding it, but no questions surrounding the talent. Um, he is a game changer. And there are other good offensive pieces there. Odell Beckham is still a giant at this moment. Uh, Shepard, throwing Shepard's going to be back. Uh, Evan Ingram, very good tight end they drafted a year ago. There are pieces there. Now you're able to run the football. It's an exciting offense if Eli Manning has time to throw. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done on that offensive line. If the Giants can protect Eli Manning, he's going to have time to make good decisions, and he's got enough weapons, someone's going to be open. The Jets at number three, one of the big winners to me, because when the Jets moved from six to three a couple weeks ago, made the trade with the Indianapolis Colts, if you were to tell the Jets, you can stay at three and get Sam Darnold, I think they would have laughed at you. Uh, there was the, the general feeling at the time was Darnold's probably the number one pick. And even the, the feeling for the Giants was, you know, they're going to take anyone but a quarterback unless Sam Darnold somehow is not the number one pick. The Jets were really prepared, I think, to try and move up again to get Darnold. I think maybe going from three to one, this being a two-step process. But when the reports came out about Baker Mayfield, I, I think, you know, we thought it was a smokescreen. Obviously, enough teams thought that there was some truth there. They did not try to make a move. They sit at three, and they still get their, their player. So kudos to the Jets. They really come out looking good uh, after night one. Cleveland play uh, picks again at four, and this is where things get interesting. They take Denzel Ward, the corner from Ohio State. One, I don't think this is the best corner in the draft. I think he's very capable. He's good. It fills a need in Cleveland. 
cornerbacks, I think the rankings move around a bit too much just based on speed. Ward was basically the fastest of the top tier corners at the at the combine in his workouts. It cemented his status as being the top corner off the board. I think that's a mistake. Two, Bradley Chubb. How, how do you pass on Bradley Chubb? You, you pair him with Miles Garrett, and you you instantly that that should bring about two wins to your team just with that pick. Not doing anything on the offensive side of the ball. Your defensive line is that scary. It makes other parts of the field better. It makes your secondary significantly better. If opposing quarterbacks don't have time to throw, you start to cover up a lot of holes that your secondary might have. Uh, very critical on Cleveland. I think they missed a big opportunity there, and it really sent ripples throughout the rest of the draft. Chubb goes next at number five to Denver. Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. Wow. How did Denver win a Super Bowl a couple years ago? It was really with Vaughn Miller and a aging DeMarcus Ware who was still able to get to the quarterback. You had Peyton Manning, a quarterback, who was at the tail end of his career, was more of a game manager, and that Denver's banking on that same formula again. You bring in Case Keenum, not a world changer. He's not a franchise-type quarterback. Put him on a good defense uh, like he had last year in Minnesota when he got within a game of reaching the Super Bowl. He's good enough to not make the big mistakes, keep the offense out on the field, keep that defense a little bit fresher. I think part of the, the, the problem last year was that defense was on the field so much for Denver, they were just tiring. So they're betting on that formula winning again. I think they're going to be competitive in their division. Are they going to be competitive in the conference? I still think Denver needs to run the ball better and, and show a little more balance on offense. If they do, I expect Denver to take a running back in the second or third round. I think we see them take one tonight and improve that running game. If Denver does, don't be surprised that we're talking about them representing the ASC. I think they're back in the mix. Definitely in a in a division that is wide open. So good move for Denver. And what I mean by sending ripples throughout the draft, the Bills, who we saw at number seven, they move up from 12 to seven and make a deal with the Buccaneers. It has now been reported a deal was in place with Denver for the Bills to go from 12 to 5. Not a big fan of Josh Allen. There's so much development there. But moving up five spots, I think it was good for Buffalo because they did not have to give up their second first-round pick. So I think the price was good for them. Had they made the deal with Denver, it was reported both first-round picks are gone and a third-round pick. So the price goes down significantly by waiting two spots. And the only reason... That deal doesn't go down. Denver did not think Bradley Chubb was going to be available. They had four different mock draft scenarios is what I was told. Four different scenarios, and in all of them, Bradley Chubb was not available at number five. Once that happened, Denver realized, wow, we've got the best defensive end still on the board, and we don't have to move to get him. The deal was off with Buffalo. It shows how bad Denver really wanted Bradley Chubb. They just didn't think they'd ever have a chance to get him. And Buffalo still gets their guy. They have to wait it out, sweat it out for two more picks. They make a deal with the Buccaneers, and they get to keep their other first-round pick. That really worked out for everyone, I think, except for Cleveland, because I think passing on Bradley Chubb is a huge mistake. Number six, the Indianapolis Colts. I think the question here was going to be, 
Was it Quentin Nelson? Was it Roquan Smith? In the end, they went with Quentin Nelson, which you can't argue with. When you've had the injury history and you want to keep Andrew Luck on the field, getting a good interior lineman, the best interior lineman in this draft by many, many, how can you go wrong with that pick? I think Roquan Smith would would have fit nicely in this defense. So I think either selection there would have been seen as a win. Can't fault Indianapolis for what they've done. And, again, they got two extra second-round picks because they were originally number three, moved back with the Jets. So things looking good for Frank Reich in his first first year at Indy. Good first night. There we are with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, again, not a huge fan. But the fact that they were able to go from 12 to 7 and still keep their second first-round pick, you got to like that. The value's there. Um, you're taking a chance. But, again, don't have to play them right out of the gate. So even though I'm not the biggest fan, it's not a huge risk or as big of a risk as many people would have thought. Roquan Smith, we talked about, he goes number eight to Chicago. Again, I think maybe there's other areas of need. I think Quentin Nelson, the, 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 the picks could have almost been reversed. And Roquan Smith went to the Colts. I think Quentin Nelson uh, to Chicago made all kinds of sense. But, again, on a, in a team that it's built, it's – I'd say it's reputation and past great teams have relied so much on great linebackers, players like Dick, but- Dick Butkus, players like Mike Singletary, Brian Erlacher, who's just going into the Hall of Fame. You get a guy like Roquan Smith now who is more east and west, vice north and south, and getting after uh, the quarterback or stuffing those running lanes. But Roquan Smith, his range is just anywhere on the football field. That guy can just get it done. His lateral movement is unlike anything we've seen. So Chicago should be very happy with this pick. I think he is the early clubhouse leader for defensive player of the year. Even though I think Bradley Chubb is going to make a big difference in Denver, we're going to see Chicago and Roquan Smith. That's going to pay dividends from day one. He is an immediate starter, um, a, a guy who should be up near the top of the conference in tackles. Um, he can play coverage. He can get after the quarterback when needed. He can do it all. This is a fantastic pick for the Bears. I think a very underrated pick, and I think more people should be talking about what a great selection this was. San Francisco at number nine. They take the other lineman from Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey, who was moving up a lot of boards. We thought he'd get into the top ten. Just a little bit surprised here they didn't go Minka Fitzpatrick. I think they, they liked Minka a little more and his versatility. You can play him at safety corner. Even in some packages kind of put him in as a linebacker. So I, I think this is a, a solid selection. I was just a little surprised it wasn't Minka Fitzpatrick, but I can't fault them. They get the best offensive tackle in this draft, and that's never a bad thing. Never a bad thing at all. Arizona, Josh Rosen, much like what we just talked about with the Bills, they too had to move up five spots. Five seemed to be the magic number for moving up to get a quarterback. They go from 15 to 10, trading with the Raiders. And Arizona has just ignored quarterback in so many drafts. But this turns out to be a great pick. There's, there's people where there where Rosen does not have to play right away. But, again, if anyone is pressed into service of the five quarterbacks we saw in round one that can play right away, it's Josh Rosen. And I made the point in the blog today, you are in a division where you see Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jared Goff twice a year. That's almost nearly half of your games. In order to stay competitive, 
you need a long-term viable solution at quarterback, someone not named Sam Bradford. And Bradford's talented. He can get it done, but he's not the long-term answer physically um, or, or talent-wise. Again, a talent, but it's, that's a lot to put on a guy who's he's basically walking on cadaver knees right now. So uh, good move for Arizona. Minka Fitzpatrick there goes to Miami. I uh, had Tremaine Edmonds going there, but again, I don't think they felt that Minka Fitzpatrick would be available. Kind of falls into the laps of the Dolphins. They capitalize. Good pick. Love the versatility. Vita Vei, um, number 12 with Tampa, and they moved back. I was just surprised this was not Derwin James because many, including myself, were really going back and forth thinking, is it going to be Minka Fitzpatrick or Derwin James for the Bucks at seven? When they moved back to 12, Derwin James still on the board. And, again, get a great defensive tackle here. And you're talking about a team that was dead last in the NFL in total defense last year. There's so many holes. But they've made a lot of moves along the line. You've got Gerald McCoy, already one of the best defensive tackles in the league. You bring in Vinnie Curry. You bring in Jason Pierre-Paul. You've instantly upgraded that defensive line. So as we talked about with Cleveland, upgrading your line helps your secondary. It seems like that's the way Tampa is thinking right here. Because you've got a six foot four, three hundred forty five pound guy that moves like he's about two eighty. Scary pick. Tampa's made themselves instantly better. I just thought Kerwin James was kind of the can't miss guy and would have fit better. But if you're you have to take a backup, you're not going to uh, hear me complain about a six foot four, three hundred forty five pound monster that you get in the first round. Deron Payne then for Washington. I feel like Vita Vei was, was the player they targeted. Once he came off the board, they said, Deron Payne, who has starred so long for Alabama, was so integral in their championship run. Exactly what the, um, the Redskins did last year, drafting Jonathan Allen. Fortunately, they didn't have him a lot because of injuries. But now those two college teammates are reunited and hopefully wreaking havoc for the Redskins in the NFC. 14, this was a head-scratcher. The Saints, I was a little bit critical of them last year, and some of their picks turned out to be very good. But when they moved up to 14, I think everyone in the universe thought this was Lamar Jackson. He was going to be anointed as the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Marcus Davenport, good player. He's a bit raw, smaller school. I think this is about the time we'd see him probably in that – say, 12 to 22 range. We actually had him going to Seattle at 18. But to make that kind of bold move and to move up 13 spots for Marcus Davenport, that was that was kind of uh, that was a head-scratcher. It continued a little bit next with Colton Miller at 15. I think he's underrated. Good offensive tackle, great size from UCLA. As many thought that was a little too early. And I think the Raiders were trying to move back again. I, and for them, I think they still could have gotten Miller had they moved back a bit. But it looks like uh, no one wanted to kind of be a, a partner. So I think Oakland maybe reached a little bit. I think that they were sitting there at 15. I thought Derwin James would have been tremendous value. But I can't fault them. Miller's a great player. I think that's who they kind of wanted. I just think they wanted to trade back one more time. I just, the, the trade partner was not there. Buffalo, they move back, and then they move up with that second pick. 
Tremaine Edmonds, very good fit. Very good fit. I uh, love the aggressiveness that Buffalo showed. Come out of there with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds again. I think it could have been a little better. But they clearly did a good job wheeling and dealing and really got positions and players that they wanted. So they have no one to fault but themselves if this does not work out. If it does, Buffalo looks like absolute geniuses because they manipulated the draft board on a couple of occasions. How about the Chargers? If there's an award for steal of the night at 17, Derwin James. Who would have thought they would have fallen in their laps at 17? Again, we're talking about him at 7. Another player like Minka Fitzpatrick that is just versatile. You can play him at linebacker. Um, He's got the ball skills to be put in as a nickel corner or play some cornerback. And overall, he's just a great safety who can just hit like like a train. So... Derwin James, maybe a couple years later, they had the Eric Weddle solution, the Eric Weddle replacement finally in L.A. for the Chargers. Great selection. Green Bay, move back, move back up. Jair Alexander, probably the best ball-hawking corner in this whole draft. The question to move up that much, you really got to be sure that from a health standpoint you're doing the right thing. Seems a little frail, does not really have an NFL-ready body. I'm just a little worried about the long-term health concerns and him staying on the field. But no question, from a talent standpoint, he could, he's, he's a top-ten player in this draft. I actually I think I had him rated higher than, than many did. I, I, I thought he was top-ten talent. I would just be worried about the physical traits, and you really, really are putting a lot of faith in the fact that he's got to stay healthy. But there's no question, Green Bay, probably one of the five worst secondaries overall, um, in the NFL, they're going to a place where they need help. Dallas Cowboys at 19. Leighton Vander Esch, who uh, I think they want him to play more inside linebacker now than outside. He played both at Boise State. Good player. Some injury concerns with his neck. Not a bad player. And with an aging Sean Lee, we've seen the difference that it makes for the Cowboys when Sean Lee is on the field as opposed to off it. But especially after the Des Bryant uh, fiasco, releasing him kind of later when they did. Everyone thought, yes, Dallas is going receiver or receivers at some point in this draft. We all thought it was going to be first round, and there was more urgency to do so after the release of Des Bryant. They proved us wrong with Leighton Vanderesh. Again, not a bad player, but you, Jalen Smith is kind of was like the, the guy that you thought you knew was going to take a couple of years, but he was eventually going to unseat Sean Lee kind of become the leader of that defense. Is this really, we're just taking some more help? Is it more of a testament that maybe Jalen Brown's not the quite the player they thought he was? Just a little confused about this. Really thought this was going to be a wide receiver. And the fact that they had their pick, um, we had them with DJ Moore because we had Calvin Ridley off the board. All of them were on the board. They, they had their pick of the litter. So was was very surprised this was not a, wide receiver. If anything, I thought Dallas could have moved back with everybody still on the board. Perfect opportunity for Dallas to try and uh, accumulate another pick or two and still have a lot of options because they did like Anthony Moore as well. He's a player that I thought could have stuck in the first round. I was a little surprised that he didn't. Uh, it was very similar to Hassan Reddick last year from Temple. A guy was just flying up the boards. Um, there were two players that did that this time. We thought it was going to be Anthony Miller. And the other actually did sneak into the first round. He was the first center taken. 
the very next pick, number 20, that's what we call a segue in the business, Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas. I've had him as first, second-round talent. There are some definite injury concerns that dropped him down the board. He seems to have been cleared of a lot of that now. Ahead of schedule, um, has kind of cleared up a lot of those injury concerns. And we had him in the second round, and there was, a lot, again, a lot of chatter. This is a guy that was hot coming into the last few days of the draft. That McGlinchey going into the top ten, which he did, number nine, and Ragnow moving into the first round, and both of them happened. And not only did we get Ragnow at 20, we got Billy Price at 21. Back-to-back centers, uh, I don't think the crowd knew what to do. Um, Billy Price, good player. But, again, we had the Bengals with a center with James Daniels for Iowa, who's still on the board. I was just surprised it was Price because he has a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, a lot of uh, him and his agent have done a, a very good job at alerting NFL teams and letting them know that he will be ready for camp. But, again, just a little bit of question mark. Is he more of a guard than a center? I thought Billy Price was a second-round pick. Just su- I'm not surprised that either of these teams went center. I was just surprised one of them was not named James Daniels. I thought it was going to be Daniels and right now. 22, we did hit on this one. We had Rashawn Evans to Tennessee. They moved up three spots to take him. We had him at 25, the uh, linebacker from Alabama. Isaiah Wynn. Goes to New England at 23. We heard that maybe they were clamoring for a quarterback. Well, that would, would this be Lamar Jackson? Do they like Mason Rudolph more? Maybe they feel they can still get Mason Rudolph in round two. Would not be surprised. A little surprised about Isaiah Wynn. Had heard that maybe he was a first-round talent. I'd had him in the third round constantly. I wasn't buying it. Obviously, I missed on this one. It only takes one team. But I think there were a couple teams here, and uh, I kind of undervalued him a bit. Isaiah Wynn, good player, just felt that this was a little too early for him. 24, Carolina, I don't think they felt that every wide receiver would be on the board. I had them with Harold Landry. I thought that uh, an edge rusher or maybe someone in the secondary was the was the best pick for them. But, again, in my draft, if I were faced for the same dilemma with Carolina and every wide receiver was still on the board, I would have changed it as well. It was then a question, Ridley or Moore. I think they like Moore a little better, and I think the fact that he's so much younger, and you're talking about a 24-year-old in Calvin Ridley, I think that played into it. I think they thought that D.J. Moore was a better route runner than a lot of teams felt, so he was the first wide receiver off the board at 24. At that point, good pick for Carolina. 25, Baltimore. Again, not a big fan of Hayden Hurst. But the fact that they were able to move back twice, get Hurst, and then still move back up for Lamar Jackson, that I'm a fan of. No question, they do need a tight end, and they are an offense that is tight end dependent. Just don't feel he should have been the first one off the board. We talked about Calvin Ridley. He falls into the laps of Atlanta at 26. Pair with Julio Jones. He's going to see a lot of single coverage. Devonta Freeman, who... And Kevin Coleman's really a two-headed monster there. They're both running backs that are also deadly catching the football. So there's going to be opportunities to succeed. Ridley is a little bit older, but I also feel he's more pro-ready. So more, DJ Moore might be the better long-term solution, the better fit for Carolina, who will probably see more production and is a better fit for the offense immediately in his first year. It's Calvin Ridley. 
this is a the possibility of about 800 yards and six six TDs are immediate with uh, Calvin Ridley. Very good selection. A couple of head scratchers right after that. Seattle 27 with Rashad Penny. We said that he was moving up the boards. We had him in the second round. <laughs> Many people thought this was the afterthought to Donnell Pumphrey, who went in the fourth round of Philadelphia last year. And Penny goes in the first round. Not saying that he's not a good player. Was he the second running back off the board? I don't think so. Now, Seattle did not pick, again, for, for a while. A lot of their picks were later. But maybe they just they just really liked him and felt they had to get him. I just think that they could have went another position, especially along the offensive line, defensive line. With so many good players available, was was a little surprised. But not that Penny went higher. I just felt that was a curious team for him to go to. Terrell Edmonds, first off, Ryan Shazier walking out and making the selection for Pittsburgh at 28 should be the feel-good moment of this draft. I think more people should be talking about that being the defining moment. Oh, gosh, that could make just about any man. That's like watching Brian's song. You can be a tough man and admit you're crying. That was good to see. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, you think about it on, on the surface, it looks like a reach. It looks like this is a guy that a third-round talent are taking in the first round. But he is a bigger safety, and the talk really is that Pittsburgh will convert him into an outside linebacker. So from that standpoint, yeah, you know, maybe this works. I just feel there's other more proven players at the position they could have taken. And let's not forget Edmonds and, uh, you know, his book went 16 overall. First set of brothers taken in the first round together. And think about it, if Pittsburgh is going to convert him, as we're hearing, and Chazier was out there probably as more of a changing of the guard. He's probably announcing the selection uh, for the player that will ultimately be his replacement. Again, he's not closed the door on his football career, but right now uh, I think, you know, you got to just worry about health. you just got to worry about his everyday quality of life, walking, and, and just the before football. So I think that... Pittsburgh is rightfully planning on Ryan Shazier not being there. And if he is there, I don't think it's next year anyway. I ultimately think if he is serious and he does want to come back to football and is cleared, I think it's next season. I do not think it's the upcoming football season. Taven Bryan at 29, great value pick for Jacksonville. But this is a guy who has all the physical tools, but he's really being drafted on potential alone. But there's just a tremendous ceiling on a player like Taven Bryan. This could wind up being one of the steals of the draft if he puts it all together. This is a guy who can be very disruptive, very fast. You put him on a defense with so many good players around him, kind of ends up like Calvin Ridley, maybe less attention being paid to him when you're worried about other pieces like Jalen Ramsey, like Miles Jack, like Elias Campbell, like Angoku. All of a sudden, that frees up a player like Brian, and he really becomes a disruptive force. So I think the fit is good. The physical tools are off the board. Does he put it all together and give you that production? If he does, this is a fantastic, maybe one of the best picks of the first round. If not, 
it's a little risky, but I don't think it's a huge risk. Plus, you know, Jacksonville, they're, they're used to picking in the top five, top ten. Maybe they kind of don't really know how to take picking at 29. Number 30, the Minnesota Vikings. They get a position of need in Mike Hughes here. Uh, I think, again, just a little overvalued. I think a player like Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado is better suited for that system and someone I thought would have been chosen in the first round more than Mike Hughes. I think Will Hernandez, the guard out of UTEP, who we ultimately had in the mock, was kind of a better fit here. And there was a lot of interest shown there. But Mike Hughes, I was a little bit surprised at the player, not surprised at the position. So obviously there's something they like there. There is good upside. He's going to a secondary where there are some good pieces. He's not going to be looked at as being like the number one guy right out of the gate. Sony Michelle going 31 to New England. Very, I wouldn't say very surprised. Mildly surprised because, one, New England normally doesn't take a running back this high. Two, we had him kind of at the end of round one. Apparently the Eagles were very enthralled, but the Eagles and a couple other teams were starting to get a little gun-shy because of his knee. There's some long-term durability kind of questions being uh, that are being answered. And that's why I was just a little surprised that New England went here. I think they are still going to take a quarterback sometime early. I thought Mason Rudolph or, or Lamar Jackson was in play here. Or, you know, just maybe more of a, a, a disruptive defensive force. Harold Landry still being on the board. Um, you saw Josh Jackson, very good corner from Iowa, who I think would fit. So, good player, though. Good player. He's a guy that can catch enough footballs out of the backfield that he can be an asset to Tom Brady in an offense. And then Baltimore, again, we talked about this a little more. This was a win-win. I like Lamar Jackson sitting there. I like the fact that, again, wasn't a fan of Hurst, who the uh, Ravens got a 25. But the fact that they moved back twice, it allowed them to get enough picks where they addressed a pass catcher and then still had the ammo to trade with a team like Philadelphia, who was just begging. They, they had everything but like a flashing light on them saying, please trade with us. It works because it seems like a lot. They gave up a second rounder for next year. They swapped picks in the fourth round. Uh, they moved back a little bit there. But since they had already acquired a couple other pieces, it wasn't nearly as risky. It sets Baltimore up for the future. And, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's a, an electric quarterback. Think about it. They had Tyrod Taylor there as a backup to Joe Flacco. Similar kind of skill set guy. can use his feet. You bring in an RG3. You've got a dual-threat quarterback there. So not only can Lamar Jackson sit and learn from a player like Marty Morningwig, but you've got a backup quarterback in RG3 that's like, wow, this was me when I came into the league. So Lamar Jackson is in a place where I think he can succeed. I'm, I'm not... You know, he's very risky pick. He's not going to work on every team. But if there's a team that he knows he can go sit for a while and potentially be a very good fit, this is a good fit for him. It's a very good fit for him. It's just that Baltimore was not a team that many thought was going to take a quarterback in round one. Everyone thought they were going to go quarterback at some point. But first round was a little bit surprising. But, again, the fact that they made those moves, I think this works for Baltimore. And it works for a team like Philadelphia. They, they moved back about 20 spots. They now pick in the second round. They didn't have a second or third round pick. 
and they acquire a second rounder for next year. Philly's got a couple of places, you know, offensive line, running back, linebacker, and those are areas where I still feel a lot of the players they like are available. So this is really the definition of a win-win for both teams. So we're going to do the same thing tomorrow. We'll go over rounds two and three and how things set up um, for rounds four through seven on Saturday. After every game, we will have a recap. I hope you enjoyed this. Keep reading the site where we'll be blogging live tonight. Plenty of tweets and posts that are out there today. This is DJ Boyer signing off. We'll see you all in about 24 hours.